Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And uh, we've been we've been on a roll talking about some some things that people might have missed during the pandemic, uh, or uh, maybe even just cards that that are just kind of a little a little more on the casual side, uh, and that we just wanted to highlight. I mean, I don't know if any of the cards that I chose today are necessarily super casual, but they're fun. That's why I brought them to the table. Right. And the other the other thing we're looking at is we generally are avoiding legendary creatures in this little this little review of, of the mm. cards from the cards that uh, that COVID may have made you forget. Um, just because you can search for your legendary creatures. Yeah. And, and you will find them quickly enough and you'll find the ones you like and go from there. You don't really need us to be pointing you to them. So uh, so we're going to pass on that. What we wanted to really, really look at are the cards cards that go in your deck. Yeah. Um, you know, every once in a while, Wizards makes a version of a card that's just that little bit better than the, what they've done in the past. So we want you to be aware of those and not get caught with your pants down. Whoa. There we go. Whoa. Starting this episode off strong. Yeah. Speaking of pants down, Bruce, what's your first card? Wow, that really is pants down. Um, <laughs> let's start with uh, with Traitor's Greed. Oh, so Traitor's Greed is a is a three and a red for a sorcery. It says gain control of target creature until the end of the turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until the end of the turn. Add two mana of any one color. This is pretty much matches up with every other card that does this. Uh, between uh, Act of Treason, Besmirch, Hijack, Lose Calm, Mark a Mutiny. Mm. There's a ton. Those are the ones I actually wrote down. That's why I spit them off so fast. And then there's a whole bunch of others that I didn't bother to write down because there are that many others. They just, yeah, they're all right. threaten now, effects. Generally speaking, there's they all cost... <laughs> well, generally speaking, they cost three. Some cost four. Yeah. This, this one, Trader's Greed, costs four. However, you're getting two of that back. I looked at this and I thought, I can get two mana of any color. Oh, wow, So yeah. it means when I steal an opponent's creature, if it has an activated ability that has a color in the, in the activation cost, it means I, I can now make that color. And so I kind of like that idea. Um, That's, you know, yeah. Just completely setting aside that this thing costs two as long as you're playing another spell right away. <laughs> um, you know, sure, there's, you know, there's some limitations. Obviously, you can't use that activated ability during the combat step because the mana would already be gone mm -hmm. you really have to use it right away but it's an option so that you can do that um and on top of that it is two mana of any color so if you are a little mana screwed you can always do it that way as well yeah um, um something i realized we didn't mention earlier all of these cards for this episode are going to be from m21 oh corset 2021 uh came out Mm -hmm. July-ish of 2020. Yeah. Because that's how the, those work, That's how I the core sets work, um, yeah. So. And I wasn't sure. I went through and tried to tried to make sure I didn't choose cards that were reprints mm -hmm. from before COVID. Yeah. So I saw Trader's Greed. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I like it. Yeah. Uh, so it's, if it doesn't fit with what your deck theme is, then obviously you're not going to use it. You know, I still really like Besmirch. I like the idea of only three mana and then you get to go to creature. There's there's all kind of benefits to that and I really like Goad. But uh, Trader's Greed, I think this is a, a, a solid card. Oh, absolutely. And certainly something to uh, certainly something to consider. 
um, especially with the way that mana is set up a lot of time. I think it's going to help a lot of decks. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, yeah. It's going to fit nicely in my uh, Prismari deck along with my first card, yes. Sublime Epiphany. Uh, Sublime Epiphany is uh, the way I like to play counter spells. It's four blue-blue, so yeah. it's uh, a, a big spell. Uh, and it says choose one or more. Counter target spell. Mm-hmm. Counter target activated or triggered ability. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Create a token copy. Uh, create a token that's a copy of target creature you control. And target player draws a card. So, I mean, for six mana, you're at least going to bounce a thing. You're going to create a copy of a creature you control. And you're going to draw a card. Whether or not you're going to counter something, I mean, is, is pretty high. So you just right. got to figure out when you're going to fit in. Right. So basically, you're paying a premium to do... So and this card then does anything that blue does. Yeah. Because, I mean, we just listed off five options, and I'm not sure that blue does much else <laughs> than these five options. I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't allow you to steal a card. Right. But beyond that, I mean, bouncing a non-land, targeting spell, or countering a spell, countering an ability, making a token, drawing a card. I mean... Yeah, I think you just hit the high points for for blue. Yeah, and I mean there are instances, and it's not gonna. I mean it's not gonna happen terribly often, but there are plenty of instances where you will choose all five. Right. Um, I think that if any of your opponents are playing creature or any sort of like commander that is like, oh, well, like whenever you play a spell, X happens. So a lot of the 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 what's it called Magecraft from right uh strixhaven yeah um that type of thing with sublime epiphany though i mean with five options i mean yeah realistically you're gonna get four at least you're gonna hit four every time yeah. you're either gonna counter a spell or you're gonna counter an, an ability and then it's like okay well then the rest of it is bonus target yeah. non-land permanent to its owner's hand well yeah i mean it, anything it's gonna um, be a big blowout <clears throat> for your opponent right it's like why wouldn't you do that uh, create a token that's a copy of target creature you control. As long as you control a creature, why wouldn't you do this? I mean, even a legendary creature a lot of time has an enter the battlefield ability. And then target player draws a card. Okay, so I get to replace this card. Mm. Uh, why Again, why wouldn't you do this? I mean, <laughs> unless you're about to take, you know, damage every time you draw a card, and this is the last point of damage, right. you're going to draw that card. So, And I mean, like, six mana is a lot for... <clears throat> Um, and obviously you're getting a lot out of it, but I think that as you turn the corner to late game, especially in more casual yeah. uh, casual metas like ours, right. I think that it's not terribly rare to come across having just six mana up uh, at any given point. Especially if you are playing more and more instants. I think that like it's going to be like, okay, I'll either play the Sublime Epiphany on something or put it into making tokens or something. Right. Uh, You've got an activated ability on the board that basically says, that's why I'm keeping my mana open. Then yeah. you never really know if you're actually going to do this. Um, the other thing with Sublime Epiphany is that you're essentially getting a four. It's a four permanent swap. Yeah. Because you're taking, let's say you're countering a spell. Okay. So that's one. And then you are returning another, per, you're returning another permanent to their hand. So they're losing two cards. And then you're getting a token, which is essentially another permanent, and you're drawing a card, which is another card. So it's replacing the card you're losing. It's so good. It, yeah, there's 
this is yeah there, there's plenty to it so number two number two let's go to angelic ascension uh-huh. angelic ascension is one and a white it's an instant it says exile target creature or planeswalker and then uh, the controller of that creature or planeswalker gets a 4-4 white angel with flying. Okay, this is not Swords to Plowshares. No. This is not Path to Exile. No. But you're a, an opponent is getting a 4-4 flyer. So, and that's significant. However, you're getting rid of something that's obviously way worse than that. Yeah. Um, or... And you're getting rid of it for good. I mean, yeah, it's, it well, exactly. Like commander, and it's but. Exile... So it's getting around any sort of indestructible. So many times getting rid of the planeswalker that has been allowed to get a little bit out of control. Having to deal with the 4-4 angel is just is a minor cost in comparison right. to the problem that you've solved here with this two-mana instant. Yeah, especially um, where I think so many people, when they play planeswalkers, really build a wall to protect it from combat damage, right. obviously. And it's an instant. Right. So when your opponent plays um, any kind of removal, mm-hmm. I can respond to the removal by targeting their planeswalker. <laughs> so it's you know so instead of losing all of their all instead of everybody losing their creatures, that player loses their creatures and the planeswalker because that and that angel is now gone too. Oh, like yeah, it, like a board wipe. Yeah. Right. So you can let the angel get caught up in the board wipe if you're if, as long as you time oh, yeah. it right. Um, the other ha- the other end of this is it doesn't say that an opponent controls. Oh yeah. So if your creature or your planeswalker is about to die, this reads spend two mana, replace it with a four four angel. Yeah. Yes, the angel does not have vigilance. This is not as good as a Sarah Angel. But a four four flyer, I mean that's a nice replacement for the creature you just lost. Oh, for sure. Or the planeswalker you just lost. Uh, I mean, yes, it's not going to be as good as the one you had, but um, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, it's the flexibility that also Swords has, where it's, you know, yes, you can do it to gain the life to <clears throat> let you live another turn. Right. You know, we focus so hard on the Planeswalker part because it is, that is a rare set of words right. on an instant, especially in white. Yes. Uh, to have planeswalker removal, like targeted planeswalker removal, right? So uh, much of white's planeswalker removal is tied to black. Mm. Like it, it, a lot of it is Orzov. Yeah, you know where they're just getting rid of permanents. This one is, uh, it, you know, it doesn't require that black investment, and you can. Yeah, you know. and I think it's absolutely worth that one extra mana. Right. So it's great. Yeah. Andy, uh, what's yours? My next one. I'll stay in white as well. Sure. So with M21, one of the big themes that they had going on, because corsets, they love to make cohesive, even if it's not going to be based around something. Right. Uh, So one of the themes in this one was dogs. Uh, There were a lot of cats and dogs, but mostly dogs. Uh, So my second card is Selfless Savior which is a single white. Going down the card, it's a 1-1 dog. It says, Sacrifice Selfless Savior. Another target creature you control gains indestructible till end of turn. I don't know what else to say about this other than it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it's on the board. People see it coming. This works really well with uh, like an Alpha Strike in an Audric deck. 
say, or any oh, deck okay, that has sure. Odric in it. Yeah. Before combat, sacrifice it to give a creature indestructible. Right. Go to combat. Everything is indestructible now. Um, whether it's your combat or somebody else's, Odric doesn't really care. Uh, but, I mean, obviously it's it's a great thing to have on the board, regardless of the scenario. It, it, Selfless Savior is the rattlesnake. Mm. The, it, it just sits there and everybody knows you target one of the one of one of my creatures that i don't want dead i'm going to sack this this card and give it indestructible till the end of the turn so it's amazing how often that means i'm never going to target your stuff yeah because nobody wants to see their thing fizzle they don't see it as oh i finally got rid of this so now somebody else can deal with all of their crap <laughs> they see it as my spell doesn't do anything and they don't want to waste it. It's like, yeah. it's not a waste. It's just harder. I think one but of the people don't see it that way. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things too with this card, uh, and it, they kind of have gone with this design space with white for years, honestly. Yeah. Uh, which is you're paying one on turn one or two or three, like early. Yeah. So you're like, you're banking that one because there are plenty of one white. Right. Spells that give something indestructible or hexproof or whatever, Um, and it's on a body, so it's like they see it coming. You're you're banking that one mana because you don't have to pay to sacrifice this. You only have to sacrifice it, Um, and you're getting your chip ins early. I mean, you know, obviously go for the people without blockers or, you know, whatever. Maybe they think you're faking some sort of uh, combat. Combat trick, there yeah. we go. But I, I just really like this card for the fact that you're banking that mana to use it later, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it's just on a body. It's on a, a great little dog. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we nice. got room for one more each before uh, we head to break. Uh, I'm going to go with Double Vision. Nice. Uh, it's three red and a red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. The key is that this is each turn. So this doesn't have to be just your turn. This can be your opponent's turn. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a couple of instants, you might want to spread them out a little. Because you can get double value for both of them as long as you're not casting them both in the same turn. Yeah. if you've got a storm deck, then your first spell that you're going to play on the turn is going to be something that's going to give you significant ramp because you're getting two of them. So then you get all that extra mana to now be now play the rest of the, yeah. the instants and sorceries on that turn. If you're playing Traitor's Greed, <laughs> now you're getting two creatures and you're getting four mana back. Yeah. Um, if you're playing, if you're playing any removal, I any mean, removal. If you're yeah, especially inst- an instant speed artifact removal on an opponent's turn, now you're getting two of their artifacts instead yeah. of just the one. It, <laughs> playing, just, playing, uh, ret- what is it? Return to dust on your main phase. You're getting four. It's yes. amazing. Oh yeah. No, there's <laughs> the only thing this card this card demands is a little bit of attention. Mm. You do have to sort of keep aware of what you want to cast, when you want to cast it, and. You know, sometimes you may have to slow your roll a little bit to maximize the use of this card. But, yeah, I mean, you weigh that benefit against what you're doing and go from there. Um, there have been yeah. plenty of times where I've used this card and I'm like, ah, oh, 
I should have played a different instant or sorcery first. Right. Because now I'm copying, I don't know, rampant growth rather than lightning bolt type of thing. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, you know, it has its time and place. But uh, I, I love this card because especially where, say you your first instant or sorcery is teach by example, where uh, your next spell will be copied. So you're copying the copy spell so you get two of the cop you get three of the yeah. follow it's it's amazing um but i love yeah, i love it i i yeah i just think the cards i think the cards great i pay i play fewer decks that run a lot of sorceries and instants mm-hmm. so it is for me it's something that i'm less inclined to play just because you know the payoff in the long run is may not be worth it but there are so many decks out there that looks that that are focused on you know, some kind of benefit from playing a sorcery in an instant. And if it just means that you need to stretch it out so you're playing some of it on your opponent's turn as far, at, rather than just simply piling it all up on your turn, mm. then go for it. I mean... I think what's really nice, too, is that it, it, like, it immediately goes on the stack as soon as you cast your spell. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody tries to get in there with a counter, they need two counters. Yeah. Um, if you're countering something... And you're worried that they'll counter your counter. You have two counters now. Like you're, it, you're going to right. be able to do the thing you want to do if you are worried about counters. Right. Um, it's also cute when you, uh, um, when you're playing mass removal, because mm. you know, if you're playing against, say, a Marchesa deck, that first mass removal spell sends everything to the graveyard, and then it comes back. Well, with Marchesa, well, everything comes, comes back. back at the end of the yeah. So if you've got, um, you know, like persist or yeah, persist yeah. or whatever, you're getting rid of the first round, and then you've got them all vulnerable, and now you're taking them out with mm. the second spell. I mean, yeah, yeah it's or a cor- anything, it's more of a corner yeah. case, but or I mean, even where it works. anything with the type of thing like aftermath, where yeah. it dies, brings a spirit into play, that type of thing. Right. Plenty of decks do that type of like recursive recursive thing, um, and I think that yeah board wipes are amazing uh and sometimes they fall flat but i think that just adds to the the humor of it yeah um my one of my favorite things to do with this is uh say like snakeskin bill where it makes your target creature indestructible and hexproof i think or something i think so um or plus one plus one and indestructible uh so now you get two out of it. Like, it's just the the little value you get out of it uh, here and there that is sometimes not as an intentional, uh, just right. because it's there. So yep. you get it done. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. My next card, I've talked about before, so I'll make it short. Sure. Uh, Garrick's Uprising. Tuna Green for an enchantment says, when Garrick's Uprising enters the battlefield, if you control a creature with power 4 or greater, draw a card. Creatures you control have Trample. Whenever a creature with power 4 or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a consistent draw engine uh, as long as you're playing creatures, which yeah. in green, Shouldn't high be chance. Uh, and just giving everything Trample uh, is excellent. Especially when your creatures are 4 power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it really, uh, it really kind of plays with combat a bit yeah. in terms of like 
if everything has trample, all right, well, what if everything also had death touch? Or, you know, like, there are right. certain ways you can go with this deck, or this card in a deck, that uh, just kind of compounds where you need it to. Right. Um, but, I mean, even just in its base of, oh, everything has trample on my side, uh, I hope they continue this cycle. I don't know if it is if there are any other cards in this cycle yet, but uh, you know, having a white one where all your creatures would have vigilance would be cool, and right. also have some sort of white card draw. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other piece I like about this card, it's only three mana. Mm. So this is a lot of times when you see card draw, you know, it costs a pile. And, you know, if you had told me that this card was going to cost six mana, I would be like, yeah, that's not surprising. And then you end up only drawing two or three cards off of it because it costs six. So it's getting played so late in the game that you're playing it late in the game. Great, my creatures now have trample. I'm going to blast through for that last big hit. Mm. So this would be like almost a finishing spell. Because it's only three... You're generally getting it out there before you're playing your form your four power creatures. So every single four power creature you, you put on the battlefield, you're now drawing a card. And I mean, it's green. There's a good chance that you're gonna be putting a ton of those out, especially oh, considering when you when you start thinking about token creatures. It doesn't you know, it's not that big a stretch to get a four power token creature onto the battlefield. Yeah. So, I think I think what I like about this card, too, is uh, along the same lines of it being three mana, if you're playing it late, you yeah. could easily uh, surprise an opponent with yeah. it in terms of like, oh, wow, now all his stuff has trample. But what's even better is you can either, if you need to like bait out the counter, if you've got ten mana, play your six mana spell, bait out the counter, and now, because they're going to be like, oh, you only have four mana left, what are you going to do? You play this, right? And you're like, ha ha, you know? Yeah, this is my quasi overrun. Right. Yes, my creatures don't get plus three, plus three, but they're already freaking huge. Yeah. Now they have trample. Period. Like, right. it's not until end of turn. It's just forever. Uh, or even, you know, if you're not worried about the counter spell, uh, you play it with like ten mana up. Yeah. You play it. Now you have seven mana, but you're probably drawing a card. Right. So now you get to play that card. Uh, yeah, and there's so often that there's a there are like enchantments that it's like oh when it comes into play draw a card but you don't get to play that card right away because generally you don't have enough mana to do it right uh, and the other way like like you said you can bait out the counter mm-hmm. well then play this first <laughs> if you've got ten mana you're playing a three mana spell you've got seven mana still up yeah that guy holding the counter spell is thinking I really should counter this. But I'm taking a while. Guess the next thing coming is going to be even worse than this. Because mm. this was only three mana. There's still seven mana to come. What else is coming? Then they have to play this guessing game of, do I play it now or not? And honestly, if they play it now, they burn the counter spell on a three mana spell. I'm hoping you have something else <laughs> in your hand. Maybe not something that's going to give all your creatures trample, but something decent. Yeah. And it's going to come through. So it becomes, yeah, I mean, so yeah, you, you, it's do, a, it's you do your a, dance around the counter spell. Right. But I think this works both ways. Yeah. So you I can think play you, it before or, yeah. or late. 
you 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 judge what you have in hand. You right. judge what you need at the moment, and you you play whichever you think it needs yeah. to be first. But I think the even the flexibility in it being the bait or it being right. the thing you need to you need to get out, yeah. I think uh, kind of shows that it's a perfectly cost enchantment. Right. Um, so uh, we're gonna throw it over to break, uh, and when we get back, we're gonna have uh, the rest of our cards. Yeah. So, this is exciting. We got some doozies coming up. Yeah. This episode of Temple of Falsebod is brought to you by. They really just had to reprint Ugin the Spirit Dragon, didn't they? Nobody ever wants to play against Ugin. Everyone wants to play Ugin. And he can go in any deck. This episode of Temple of Falsebod is brought to you by the ire that Ugin has brought. <laughs> To any table that I've seen him be played. But hey, at least he's cheaper now. No, you know what? This episode of Temple of False Pod is brought to you by Unsubstantiate. Because sometimes you can't counter something, but you can just uh, put the spell back in their hand. Alright, we're back. Um... We got some cards from M21 for you. What's what's your next card, sir? Sure. My next card is Fiery Emancipation. Oh, oh, oh. It's three red, red, and red. It's an enchantment. So, yes, yeah, six mana enchantment. Here we go. This is if my a, kind of card. If a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals triple that damage to that permanent or player instead. Triple? Triple. So, take virtually any card that does damage. You can't go wrong. Ever a source you control would deal damage. So this is combat damage. So your 2-2 creature now swings in and does 6 points of damage instead of 2. Your Lightning Bolt, the card that so many people are convinced has no business being in Commander because it's only 3 damage on one card that goes away, now does nine points of damage for one red mana at instant speed. Uh, it just, take your pick. You know, uh, it's yeah. I yeah, mean, I mean, if you're in red, you're doing damage. Like that's how you're winning the game, whether it's combat damage or through burn spells. And, right. I mean, sure, it's a six mana enchantment, but like red has plenty of access to uh, treasures. We've got rituals. There are yeah. so many red rituals out there that right. it is easy to get this out fairly early. Pick your damage X spell. Yeah. Where X equals five. So you're playing it the turn after this because you still only have that six mana because rotten luck, you didn't draw another land. So it's with only six mana, your X is five. You're doing 15 points of damage. It's just ridiculous. The, mm. the amounts just are... When you're tripling, everything gets huge. Everything. I mean... Your 1-1 creature that attacks in does 3 points of damage. For that matter, your 1-1 creature that sits there and doesn't attack, when it blocks, it does 3 points of damage. <laughs> you know, first strike creatures become... Well, it doesn't matter what their toughness is anymore. This with Embercleave would be uh, broken. Yes. Uh, it's just, it is so over the top. Giving all of your creatures plus one, plus one. So you turn your one ones into two, into two twos that do six points of damage. It, it is so easy to make the numbers so ridiculous that fast. It's just, 
it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And I appreciate that this is six mana, and I most of the time it's going to burn the turn. However, a lot of times, this is the finishing spell. Just because it's not a sorcery doesn't right. mean it, it isn't a finisher. You can play an enchantment for six mana, and it can be your finisher. We just finished talking about Garenx Uprising, and I would argue there are times when that three mana enchantment will be a finisher. This can be a finisher if you've got, you know, three dragons. Mm. Three, four, four dragons that are going to get through. Okay, well, that's 12 damage. Uh, 36 damage, sorry. It, <laughs> yeah. that that That's game-ending levels of damage. I think, too, it is exactly the thing that love to talk about with commander which are these huge splashy things we yeah. saw so mo- so much of it in in uh battle for Baldur's gate the commander legends too right um that like the like these are the types of spells that like sure they cost you know an arm and a leg in yeah. mana this one also in money but um i think like it is exactly where i want the format to go like you say what the card does and people just go that sounds dumb like so silly like that's that's how it feels to me is that it just feels silly it feels over the top in the best way like i don't want to i don't want to say that and have people think that i'm like degrading the card it, right i love this card yeah and it is because it does a very silly thing in case you're wondering pyrohemia is not loss of life that is damage. Ooh. So, spend one red, do three points of damage to every creature and every player. Including you? Oh, yeah, including you. Well, I, this is red. This is how we roll. Uh, I mean, if you've got Pyrohemia out and you're playing uh, Fire Emancipation, this is a warning to, the, to all of your opponents. This game is ending soon. You better be ready. Yeah. You have to do something about one of these cards. Yeah, I mean, I think this is gonna. This is delightful. What what my what my mind jumps to immediately is Chandra's ignition. Okay. Ta- target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to each other creature and each opponent. Oh, nice. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. My next card's also gonna be big. Uh, it's uh, three green green. I'm gonna probably stick to green for the rest mm-hmm. of this episode for a six six called Elder Gargaroth. It's a creature beast. Uh, not legendary, which is fairly amusing to me. Um, I think it'd be really funny to have an EDH deck with Elder Gargaroth, so it'd be e- E-G-H. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's Vigilance Reach Trample, Yeah. and whenever it attacks or blocks, choose one. Create a 3-3 green beast creature token, you gain three life, or you draw a card. You're either going to be drawing a card or creating a beast. You're generally not going to be creating, getting, gaining that life unless you absolutely need to. And this does a great job of blocking because it's got reach. It does a great job of attacking because it's got trample. Right. And it can do both because it's got vigilance. Yeah. It's a perfect card. Uh, it's a five mana six six in the very least, so it passes the vanilla test. It, it only goes up from there. Yeah. Um, giving this thing haste would be. I, uh, oh, I'll give this thing double strike. Ooh. If because of this you become the threat, as long as you can keep this alive to block, you're going to be getting, you know, you could be getting four cards a turn. You could be getting four beasts sure. around. Yeah. Uh, or 12 life. Uh, 
it's there any sort of you know intermediary there right uh it it gives you the flexibility when you need it uh and that's excellent um or i mean in the very least it'll stop people from attacking you and on top of it it's got trample so like it's going to be getting some damage through if you need it for the monarch, if you need it for the initiative. Uh, right. These these excellent tertiary yep. reasons for getting damage through. Uh, you know, the only sad thing about it, which also can be good because it can be duplicated, is that it's not a legendary creature. I think this would make an excellent commander. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you can also have six of them if you decide to duplicate it somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful. Very nice. I like that one. Yeah, me too. Um, my next card, mm-hmm. Transmogrify. Ooh. It's three and a red for a sorcery. It says, exile target creature. That creature's controller reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. That player puts that card onto the battlefield, then shuffles the rest into their library. I love this. Um, this is red polymorph. Mm. Uh, or you can look at it as a, a weaker version of Chaos Warp. Because um, Chaos Warp targets, I believe it's any permanent. Yeah, and it's a three mana instant. <laughs> this is a four yeah. mana sorcery. Exactly. So. so you can look at it as a weaker version of, of the Chaos Warp. But the difference, though, is that this is not looking to replace Chaos Warp. This is another way for red to get rid of a creature without having to do damage to it. Mm. Too many times uh, you can't get, you know, some creature has some. Uh, prevents all damage being dealt to it and you can't get around that so this is just exile target creature yeah this gets rid of fog banks this gets rid of indestructible <clears throat> creatures right so the bane of the bane of red's existence and now we're just going to exile that creature yeah you are rolling the dice but odds are you're trying you're getting rid of a creature that is really bad and either you're going to replace it with a card that's about the same or better for yeah. you <clears throat> so you take that you take that trade or I, I mean, mean even you know like you said it's essentially polymorph so you you know take one of your many goblin tokens <clears throat> turn yes. it into a bigger better goblin <laughs> yeah you can use it on your own stuff yeah and if you're building and if you're running a deck that's primary, primarily blue red instants and sorceries with a handful of massive creatures well you know dunking one of your tokens to go right. and get that out could very well be worth it. Oh, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I got a kick out of it. Um, and it's a variation on cards we already have and in, in a different color setting. So I wanted to include it here. Yeah. Um, speaking of cards that we have, but different, uh, my next card is Conclave Mentor. Okay. Um, it's a green and a white for 2-2. Two, two. So it's a it's a Lesnia bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, Centaur Cleric. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a creature you control, that many plus one plus one counters are put on... That many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on that creature instead. When Conclave Mentor dies, you gain life equal to its power. So, uh, you know, the idea behind this card is that you kind of load itself up with two plus one plus one counters each time. Uh... And then you gain a bunch of life when it dies. Or, I mean, it does the pure thing. It does the hardened scales. Is that? Hardened scales gives it a plus one plus one counter. Yeah. An extra plus one plus one counter. So, I mean, that's what this is essentially doing. Uh, 
you'll love to see this effect often. Yeah. Um, I like that it's not necessary. Like, it's, it doesn't do the doubling season thing where <clears throat> doubling season is any type of counter. Right. Um, oh, yeah. No, this is this goes in your... If you're putting hardened scales into a deck, then Conclave Mentor, if yeah. you're running, if you're also running white, it, there's no reason to not also put yeah. this one in. Especially, um, I mean, I think the card's like a quarter. Like, it's... Oh, yeah, it's dirt cheap. Yeah. It's... And, I mean, for a 2-2 two, two for 2, it's... I mean, on rate, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I... Yeah, it just makes sense, and honestly, if you're running Celestia, you probably are running plus and plus encounters. Um, this, coupled with... Um, oh, why am I blanking on the name? It also goes well with things like Forgotten Ancient, uh, because you'll be getting two for every spell. Uh, and... When you move them from Forgotten Ancient, you'll be adding an additional one to when you move it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, which is excellent. Um, and I, I always love just luck of the draw type, like, just, what's the word? Where something just happens just because it's whatever, like... Uh, Cathar's Crusade. Cathar's Crusade, right. Right. So, I mean, if you're running Cathar's Crusade, this is just going to be outstanding. Uh, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Mm. So a creature comes in, you put two plus one, plus one counters on each creature you control. It just doubles it up. And anybody who runs Cathar's Crusade knows full well that you're not really ever putting two plus one, plus one counters on a creature. Because if you're playing one creature, you're playing more creatures. Yeah. This is, this is designed for token, for token decks where you're going to drop four, four creatures at once. And then suddenly you're pi- you're piling tokens on. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you're going to be gaining at least two life from this card. There's, you know, oh yeah. If you're oh, if you're yeah. playing plus one plus one counters, there's no way that this isn't going to be bigger than two. And it's highly unlikely people are going to exile it. Uh, yeah, no one's going to exile yeah. this card. No. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have haste. It doesn't have first strike. It has no evasion whatsoever. It's just if a any- very uh, what's the word? It's a very vulnerable enchantment, is what it is. Right, and the idea is when it dies, you gain power or you gain life. I mean, yeah, I I'm not going to go out of my way to stop you from gaining seven life. Right. There's just I, I'm not going to waste. You know, unless it costs me virtually nothing to do it, I'm not going to stop you from getting that. There are better things to to use my cards on, so you're going to get that bonus. Yeah, it's just like a nice little bonus. Because, I mean, I would play the card as a 2-2 two, two for 2 that has just that first line of text. Yeah. So, um, I think we got time for one more each. <clears throat> All right. I'll roll in with the big guns. Yeah. This is my, this is my top my top one for M21. Um, it's just, I, I think it's easily the best card in M21. And uh, I think it ranks pretty high up overall. Bruce, you can't do Fire Emancipation again. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to do Brash Taunter. Ah, yes. Brash Taunter costs four and a red for a creature. It's a goblin. Um, I don't remember his power and toughness. It's a 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Right. So, and he's indestructible. He is indestructible. Does not pass the vanilla test. But wait, here's where it gets good. Whenever Brash Taunter is dealt damage... It deals that much damage to target opponent. Well, that sounds great. Um, However, then the next ability is you spend two and a red and tap Brash Taunter 
and the taunter fights another target creature. Now, every fight ends like this. Brash Taunter fights a creature. Brash Taunter does one damage, the creature unlikely to die, <laughs> then deals, or uh, then it deals however much damage, probably a 6-6, six, six, say. Yeah. Six damage gets dealt to the Taunter. He's indestructible. He does not die. But that six damage, then it deals that much damage to target opponent. So you deal six damage to an opponent. That's how Brash Taunter works. Okay. Now, remember Fire Emancipation? Mm. So now that 6-6 cre- that six, six creature is doing 18 points to the Brash Taunter. No. Fire Emancipation, I believe, is one way. I thought it was triple. No, it oh, is. It's just my it's, stuff. It's just your ah. stuff. But still, you're all right. doing eight. So it's all, so it's only going to be doing the eighteen points of damage because right. it's going to triple the six that it's dealing to the, the opponent. The one one you have is dealing eighteen to your right. face. Right now, this isn't just an opponent's creature. This can be yours mm. because I mean the taunter is only doing one point of damage. So if you have a six six, then it that six gets dealt to the taunter, and then the taunter can do it to target opponent. It doesn't say the opponent who controls that creature. It's wide open. So any damage that gets dealt to the taunter can then be redirected. So if the taunter blocks some massive creature in combat, mm-hmm. boom! Your opponent can then can then, you know suffer all of that damage back to them. It's, it's a guaranteed damage every single turn. Every single turn. Um, and I don't know how many times I have run Brash Taunter in games where an opponent... Somehow, it, where an opponent gets a twenty twenty, this well, thank you, because you've just killed yourself. Because mm. now I'm doing twenty point, points of damage to you when I fight that creature, and you have to figure out a way to get rid of your own creature, because you can't have it out there. It will kill you. You have to be doing at least that much damage to me every single time, and it just doesn't happen. Um, no, Brash Taunter is freaking outstanding it's a game changer when that card hits the when that creature hits the battlefield you must destroy it do not be fooled that Mm. into thinking that this one one indestructible is something that can be allowed to just let just sit there you can't you can't no uh there are times when you're going to look at it and say it's okay because he's going to swing elsewhere and that's great but maybe not (laughs) you don't really know um because your predictions are always thrown off a little bit when you realize that the guy who controls the Brass Taunter is looking not necessarily to kill the person who has the twenty twenty creature. Right. Because you can target any opponent after. Right. So the guy with the twenty twenty, okay, I'm going to have to take 20 damage next turn. Fine. But for this turn, boom, you're taking the 20. And next turn, I'll do the 20 to kill that guy off. And I feel like... I mean, obviously, it being indestructible is a big part of how this all works. Right. Um, I mean, I've seen you do some ridiculous things with Brash Hunter. I mean... It, yeah, it, it causes a complete flip in the game. And if you're not running it, you have to get rid of this thing. You have to. You just can't let it sit out there. It will turn the game on its head. You will lose the game out of nowhere. Um, it is so easy... To pump pump up a creature. If Andy's got a creature that he's swinging at an opponent. And he's able to pump it up. They give it, I don't know, plus three. So it turns into a, from a 6-6 six, six to a 9-9. Nine, nine. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so then that creature does 9 points of damage to an opponent. Great, now I'm going to fight that creature and do 9 more damage to that opponent. Mm. That, it could be, could be that same opponent. It could be Andy. It could be whoever. It just, it's just the number, the, the damage just comes out of there. And this is, it's an ability. Yeah. So you can just sit on it. Wait till the end of your last opponent's turn and then just use it on whatever the best option is. I mean, that's probably the best anyway, because then you essentially get, hopefully, at least two triggers off of it. Because right. people will maybe be attacking you. So you get to use it as a blocker and then you use it just before your turn and untap with it. It's right. amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I mean, exactly. Use them it's as a incidental. Blocker. It, you don't even really need to use them as a blocker. As long as you're clear that, you know, it's like, well, I wouldn't come at me. Yeah. Because then if you want to attack the person who has the brash taunter, you now have to look around the board to see who has the biggest power creature. Yeah. Because that's how much damage you're going to take. Yeah. And, and that's after block. And because it's a uh, an ability, yeah. an activated ability that doesn't say sorcery, yeah. uh, you can do this in response to somebody killing the biggest thing on the board. Oh, yeah. So, like, you're like, ah, no, I, I need that damage. And honestly, maybe you'll be able to take the person out who's trying to kill it. Killing people uh, at instant speed is an amazing feeling, honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Making sure that whatever they're trying to do doesn't resolve, yeah, uh, because they are no longer in the game. It's the best kind of counter, honestly. It is, and <laughs> if you and if you ever get the opportunity to play an against opponent who's running Sarah Avatar, I know <laughs> it's pretty rare nowadays. But if you do, please take it. Oh, please yeah. take it. Do not wait, because that sucker runs around the board, and all of a sudden it's over. If you haven't used Brass Taunter, uh, Brash Taunter, I think you're you're starting to understand why we're so high on this card. Yeah. It it's just spectacular. It's so much um, fun, and <clears throat> especially when you've got a meta that does lean a little heavy towards creatures, hmm. uh, it's awesome. And even a meta that doesn't, quite often, that big creature that does come down is one of the finishers, and they tend to be big. Hmm. And Brash Taunter loves playing against opponents who have massive creatures. Just loves it. Uh, Brash Taunter did great work during BrewCon, and I saw it win at least three games. Amazing. Yeah. And that was not in one deck. That was in, that was over two different... No, three different decks. I, I won two games with Brash Taunter, and I saw somebody else win a game with Brash Taunter as well. So this card is great. It is spectacular. I strongly encourage you to pick them up. Um... I'm almost glad we're out of time now uh, <laughs> because my last card was going to be uh, less exciting than this. It was Wild Wildwood Scourge. Uh, it's just one and an X for a zero zero. It's a Hydra. It does the Hydra thing. Yeah. And when you get plus one, plus one counters on non-Hydras, it gets plus one, plus one counters. That's it. It's exciting. Check it out. Uh, but I think we're out of time uh, because good. I mean, more people need to play... Uh, Brash Hunter. More people need to play Selfless Savior. Yeah. Uh, these are all good effects that I think... These are good effects, and wizards. on top of that, there's a bunch of cards in there that offer variations of the cards that we've come to expect in a lot of the sets. Mm. Check them out. Uh, you know, Transmogrify and Traitorous Greed. I mean... They're not going to go in every deck, but they will go in some if it fits your theme, and that, to me is one of the ways that we're that commander is getting better 
with all of the extra cards that are coming out, it's easier and easier to get all of your cards on theme. Yeah. So you can still do that act of treason, but it doesn't have to be act of treason. Oh, I wish that it somehow fit with my theme, but it doesn't really <laughs> fit, but I got to run it. And now, uh, Traitor's Greed, maybe that fits your theme. Maybe it's because you've got the extra mana to be able to do something else. So, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so next week, next week we've got our finale. Yes. Every finale, we, we like to do this exercise where we each build a deck based on a theme. And this theme, because... Last year, I really liked the episode we did about uh, standard rotation. We're going to do that as our theme episode. Uh, as of release, I believe standard rotated out two weeks ago. Okay. Um, with the release of Dominaria United. Right. Um, so. So what are the sets we've lost? So we've lost. I say we. What are the sets that have been lost from standard? Because we haven't lost them. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and we'll, we'll obviously talk more about that uh, next week. But yeah. I, I really like to highlight cards that are leaving standard because we'll see some sort of fluctuation in price, whether it goes up or down. Yep. It might dip before it goes up. So sure. you'll want to keep an eye out for those. So we've got Zendikar Rising, Kaldheim, Strixhaven, and the first D&D set, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. So we'll do a legend from... A standard legal legend. Yeah. Um, and the cards can be from either a commander deck or standard legal. Right. Uh, I don't want to go too deep into, I think, commander legends or... Yeah. Uh, so We're not trying to reproduce breakdown right. here. Right. It'll be cards, fr- yeah, from one of those four sets or their corresponding commander decks. Right. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. So. All right. Cool. Um, so we'll see you next week if you uh, have a deck list for that. Any of you listeners out there, if you have a deck list for that, we'd love to see it. We'll uh, we'll retweet it or something. So send us. You bet. We, we'd love to talk about it, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so we've got that going on. Um, so we'll see you next week. We're going to go play some Magic. Have a great night. Thank you so much for listening. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Again, thank you again for listening. Uh, Play some magic for me. And may your fifth plant be the temple. Bye! Wait, wait. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at Mana Burned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!